The views expressed in this program do not necessarily represent those of WSIC. All systems are a go. Ladies and gentlemen, hold on to your seats. Taking care of Iredell with North Carolina State Representative Jeff McNeely is about to begin in five, four, three, two, one. Good morning, Iredale County. Hope everybody's doing well out there. It's a little warm. Supposed to be. It's middle of August. This is when the dog days are in, I think it is, as my grandparents used to talk about. So it's going to be hot, and it's going to be muggy and humid, and you're going to sweat. But that's okay. Come January, you're going to say, man, I wish it'd warm up. So anyway, got a good show today. I got Representative Keith Kidwell coming on the show. Friend of mine in the General Assembly, lives down in Beaufort County. So uh, he's going to be on here. Actually, I think he lives in Beaufort. It's not Beaufort County. He lives in Beaufort. I've got to make sure I get the right county, though. So maybe it's Craven down there. But uh, anyway, have him on. Going to talk a little bit about Second Amendment and concealed carry issues. I brought that up a little bit about how our illustrious Attorney General Josh Stein uh, is doing everything he can to undermine uh, the Second Amendment in North Carolina. And just by the way, in case you're wondering, he is running for governor, and that would be a no vote. You should put down on the ballot for Josh Stein. Anybody, th- this is the least of your worries is the Second Amendment. He's going to do everything else he can, too. He's actually going to make Roy Cooper look like a moderate. Think about that. All right, we did have a busy week. And, hey, if anybody like to call in and talk about what all we did last week, 704-873-1400. Uh, love to hear what you got on your mind. We did have a busy last week. Ended up overriding five vetoes of Roy Cooper. We did the... Uh, uh, Prohibiting uh, men competing in women's sports, HB 574. Prohibit gender transitioning surgeries and puberty blockers for minors, House Bill 808. Expanding access and streamline approval of charter schools. That was a big omnibus bill. You've heard me talk about it many times. House Bill 219. It did not end up getting into a lot of the monies that the public schools were so worried about. Uh, And I figured when it was all said and done, it was not going to be a bad bill. It did allow charters to expand, which competition works for everybody. Um, Affirmative parental rights in children's education, well-being, and safety. We call this the Parents' Bill of Rights, uh, Senate Bill 49. So that gives you a lot more freedom. And it also is going to free up the school board as far as curriculums and books and things that we will or should not teach our children. So that's a blessing. Uh, also uh, block some costly new home building energy regulations that the feds are trying to push down, which on new building, uh, on new housing, you're probably looking at adding anywhere from twenty to $30,000 to the cost. If somebody wants to put these initiatives in, they're more than welcome to. But forcing everybody... That's not the way our republic works. That's not American. So we fixed that so they can't do it. One of the other bills that we just passed uh, that was not a vetoed yet, but it will be, folks. It'll be here before you know it. It's strengthening election integrity and voter confidence in North Carolina. And there was quite a different litany. It turned out to be about a 40-some page bill. started out about a 10. And we covered a lot of different things in there. Uh, one of the things that I think is most important that is in the bill is 
that your absentee ballot must be received by 7.30 on Election Day that Tuesday at night, 7.30 p.m. Any ballots that come in the mail after that will be null and void. You have 45 days to get your ballot in. I suggest you request it immediately when, if you need it, come primary election time, and I suggest you send it back in as soon as possible. That way, when election day ends, we can get a fairly official and correct tally of what's happening instead of it drifting days and days and days. That's where suspicion comes in. That's where a lot of the issues with both sides come in of cheating is when this thing drifts on and on, and all of a sudden one side says, well, we did not get to see the counting of the absentee. Are the absentee ballots correct? Are they, have they been witnessed? Are they, are they viable? This is important. So this will take out a lot of those issues. That's what needs to be done. Election day is election day. We have 17 days of early voting, and then we have the final day. Surely to goodness somebody can get their absentee ballot in. Hey, you can even drive to the precinct, never get out of your car. They will come out and get you a ballot once you show them your voter ID, and you can vote in your car and hand it back to them, and they will take it back inside and process it. We've made it very, very easy to vote in North Carolina, but we're not going to make it where we're going to get ourselves in trouble or direct any kind of suspicion that we don't necessarily have to. So remember that. Um, one of the other things I think is real important out there, too, that's going on with our beloved Biden administration is school archery shooting sports and shooting sports are in trouble in our middle school and high schools. And I'm sure you're wondering what this is. Well, actually, quite a few schools have archery teams and shooting teams. They are sports, folks. They are a talent to be learned, uh, not necessarily for hunting, but, yes, for hunting or whatever, or just for fun. Uh, you know, you don't have to be six foot five. You don't have to weigh 250 pounds to be an accurate shot in either the, with either the bow and arrow or with a, with a rifle. So these are important things. Uh, marksmanship, and, and we teach it in Boy Scouting especially. So we had these teams on these uh, high schools, and the Biden administration was going to withhold funds because of a bill that was pushed through after the uh, Uvalde shooting. Um, and this is really hard for me here because I, I, and me and Keith will talk about this a little bit here in the second part of the show, but they really come after in a backwards way. This bill was supposed to be about training uh, resource officers, and somehow or another, the uh, the Department, United States Department of Education, has totally misrepresented and misinterpreted this law to allow them to withhold funds so these kids cannot do that. And I'm sure, and, and you know, uh, the NRA warned us when this bill was coming through that it was too vague. And they were right. It really was too vague and allowed for a misinterpretation. Uh, our own Richard Hudson, representative in the in middle district there, and 59 other House Republicans have sent a letter calling this a gross misinterpretation. Uh, until then, these programs are in limbo. And they're working off of a 1965 funding law that actually is what helps support uh, our elementary schools and middle schools especially, even to the high school level. So this is really bad, and I'm sure y'all were saying, well, that's no big deal. How many kids are we talking about? Well, there's actually four teams in Idle County at these schools, 
and there's 295 other in North Carolina for a total of about 16,500 children we're talking about that are affected by this that will not be allowed to participate. You know, this is one of those things where that there, there really is no male female that they're on equal footing. Uh, so this is this is what I would call by gender, I guess, and whatever. So uh, not not talking about women's sports, men's sports, just talking about sports in general is something that everybody can participate in, and they're going to be defunded by the Biden administration. So I want you to think about that. We got our one minute coming up here just in a second, but I, you know, totally misinterpreting something that was supposed to be for school resource officers and we figured out a way to take away funding for the kids in archery and marksmanship come on are we doing everything we can just to attack the base parts of of america especially rural america where these programs are so popular so i want you to think about this they're constantly trying to figure out obscure agencies to do their work for them, to take away our rights, to push forth their liberal agenda. So, going to be back here real soon, going to talk a little bit about some other issues. All right, hang tight, 15-minute break. We'll be back in about two minutes. All right, like this jammed-up music we got here, Joe. It's all right. Gets me, gets me hyped up, man. All right, we're back. Um, Breaking over a little bit, still kind of got the Biden administration. I guess I'm on them. You know, and that's rare. I rarely get on the Biden administration and Joe Biden for a lot, do I, Joe, except for all the problems that we have other than that. But anyway, uh, the wildfires in Maui, uh, it's been hor- horrific, and the loss of life continues to grow and, and breaks my heart. It's saddened. Uh, but unfortunately, like usual, the, the, the Biden administration and the Green Left Initiative are not wasting a disaster. Uh, according to them, this has all been caused by global warming. Oop, you can't use that term anymore. It's climate change, which covers everything. And uh, so that's what they're saying. You know, if, if we had just taken better care of our planet, that none of these wildfires would ever happen. Uh, even though they're happening in Canada and they're totally different reasons than why they're happening in Hawaii. Uh, still, you know, that's the thing. The truth, and I don't know if y'all can handle the truth, to go back to that old movie, but it's pretty simple. The truth is coming out. Um, Blue Hawaii, which they are very, very liberal in Hawaii, their government, uh, very democratic, uh, has been uh, sinking all their utility money into green energy over the last probably decade and not keeping up their 50-plus-year-old transmission lines that broke in the high winds. And we believe this is what has started the fire. And if you don't believe that, just look at the stock market because pretty much like the California Power Company that had to file bankruptcy, uh, people are shedding, uh, uh, I think it's... uh, uh, Hawaii Electric uh, co-ops, uh, they're shedding their stock like crazy. It was down 34% because they're waiting for the lawsuits to break loose. So they've spent all their money on solar, on wind, all these things while their transmission lines 
continue to be neglected. Their transformers continue to be neglected. The high winds come. I don't really think that's climate change. I think it's high winds. We have them all the time. Uh, and the power lines could not withstand the force of the winds. They broke. They ignited on the, when they hit the ground. It's dry. The winds have dried the place out. Therefore, your fire started. Hadn't done a real good job. They talked about it. 2019, they actually hired a consulting company to come in and give them recommendations on how to prepare and control for wildfires because they've had them before. This is not the first one. This one's the one that got out of hand. They've had them and been able to stop them. Um, I don't know why. I guess COVID, it took three years for a consulting company to tell them that they need to go out and make sure they clean up all the underbrush. Same thing happens in, in California a lot, and I'm afraid it's happening in Canada some too. If you don't go in and clean out the underbrush and some of the smaller vegetation and stuff, uh, you're setting yourself up for problems. The trees will shade those. They will die. They will become fuel. And the next thing you know, lightning strikes or a power line breaks or a whole lot of things happen, careless people, and there you have a wildfire get started. Uh, so I'll be curious to see how this comes out. Uh, I'm sure, like I said, the Biden administration and the, the leaning left are going to all holler climate change, uh, but there's going to be lawsuits that's going to blame uh, Hawaii Electric Co-op, and so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in court. Uh, I don't know how you can have two outcomes like they're going to say there is, but I guess you can. Uh, like I said, anybody want to call in, 704-873-1400. Love to hear from you. Um, next thing I'm going to talk about is really difficult for me to understand and wrap my mind around it. Uh, so there's a bill that's been filed in the United States Senate as part of our uh, military bill that's going to be put in. And basically, uh, Ted Cruz, a couple of other senators have put it in. And it's already got approval for the house side so now it's got to get through the senate looks like it probably will stay in they'll try to take it out but it is to use the remaining materials that were left laying there basically in the dirt all along our southern border to finish as much as we can of the wall that was began under the trump administration and stopped the day that joe biden took office with one of his first executive orders so this metal has been laying there for a little while so the biden administration seeing this coming has now started putting these pieces of metal that were bought purchased god knows what we paid for them on auction.gov to get or go yeah .gov to get rid of them before this law passes and sell them off at whatever price they can as fast as they can Hmm. So, we'll eventually go, and, and this law will pass, and when they get there, there won't be any of the material left to finish the wall. And that's basically what it's saying. It's not saying buy more material to finish the wall. It's saying use what we have already and spend all that that we can to finish as much as we can. This is crazy. And this is what we do. I think that may have pricked somebody's conscience there. Who we got here? Hey, go ahead and put them on, Joe. Hey, this is Representative Jeff McNeely. Who we got? Hey, it's William again, Jeff. How are you today? 
I'm good, William. What do you What do you think about one side of the government trying to basically, we'll say, screw the other side of the government just for spite? Uh, you know, it's tit for tat. Excuse my language, but that's exactly what's going on up there. And I tell you, hypothetically, if I were to be president, first thing I'd do when I got up there was open up the pipeline again. That would put us profitable and economical on everything. Because that's shutting that pipeline down has affected us economically in so many different ways people don't know. Oh, yeah. Gas is going back up. That that 50-cent break that everybody thought that Bidenomics was working, it ain't. It's going back up. Diesel's back up $4. Well, we're going to buy green someday, Jeff, but it, we're not ready for that yet. we got to continue on using fossil fuels until we're ready to go totally green. And I don't know if that will happen in your lifetime or my lifetime, Eight but months. it will happen. But anyway, the second thing I would do is shut down the border, period. Shut it down. Sorry, there might be some good people coming across the line, but we got to anticipate the fact that there's some bad people coming across the line. So shut it down. And if, the, if, there foremost, is, if there is good people coming across, foremost, we'll know that. We'll bet them. Go ahead. Third and foremost, beef up our military. And when I say beef up our military, I'm talking about get the Fruit Loops out of there. <laughs> beef up our military. It's all about the safety of our country, the economical side of it, and then everything else will come into play. All this nonsense of he said, she said that's going on up in Washington, D.C. will go away if I were president. You're not doing your job. You're fired. Four-year limit, limit. Four-year limits. That's it. Period. Well, the only thing about about cutting them too short, you let the staff end up controlling life instead of actual the, the people. But I do agree. Term limits need to be put in place. I need. We'll just have to argue well, the time. I know that sounded harsh. It sounds harsh, those things I said, but, you know, we're in drastic times. Yes, we are. That calls for drastic measures. I agree. I agree. Uh, you know, you take I, care, Jeff. Appreciate right. what you're doing. Thank you, sir. Good talking with you. Yeah, I, now, here's the part that's really going to make you go, hmm. Uh, since the Biden administration's uh, took over and they stopped building the wall immediately, uh, we have been paying approximately, and there's about four, what I understand, four different sites all along Texas, New Mexico, and Arizona where these materials are stored. We have been paying approximately $130,000 a day rent to store these materials on the land they're on. Now, I want y'all to think about that. Why wouldn't we purchase that land? We are $47 million paid in rent since the Biden administration took over. Think how much of the wall that we could have completed for $47 million. Because the materials were there. But instead, we chose to store them. Now we've chose to sell them at cut rate. So if you want to deal on some, I think, 30-some foot tubular steel uh, that's in either Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, uh, I think you can probably end up averaging about 200 bucks a piece for these long pieces of steel that I'm sure we paid thousands and thousands of dollars for. $47 million is what we have 
paid $130,000 a day. I don't know about y'all, but I'm pretty sure this is the exact example of crazy. Crazy. We won't build a wall, but we'll pay $47 million to store the material. Plus all the cost that has been put on all the different municipalities, counties, state governments for these millions of people that have come across our border illegally. We're feeding them. We're, we're housing them. We're, we're educating them. We're, we're giving them medical. We're doing all kind of stuff. I have no idea how much money we spent down there, but I do know that storing metal that should have been put in place to build the wall is $47 million, plus getting rid of it as fast as you can before the time. Come on. All right, got Keith Keith Kidwell coming on soon. Hang tight for the second part of the show. All right, folks, we're back here with the second half of the show. Got a friend of mine, Representative Keith Kidwell, on the phone. Let's see if we can get Keith in here. Hey, Keith, are you there? I'm here, Jeff. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Turn him up just a little bit, Joe. Hey, how are you this morning? Well, I'm on the downhill side of uh, having pneumonia, so I'm, oh, I'm not crap. great, but I'm yeah, still alive. When did that come about? I hadn't heard that. Oh, was... I've actually, I, I had it when I was up in Raleigh last week, but I checked with my doctor before I went up. He said, you're not contagious. So I said, okay, I can go do my job. All right. Well, there you so, go. Whatever it takes, man, we have to drag in. We do it, don't we? Especially for the veto overrides. If, if, you, have to wheel me oh, in yeah. on, if you have to wheel me in on life support, I'm going to show up to make sure Roy Cooper don't get his way. So, yes, sir. All right, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. And and from Beaufort, but not Beaufort County, it's Craven, isn't it? What county is it? All right, so I live in Chacoinity. I represent Beaufort, Pamlico, Hyde, and Dare County. Okay, it is Beaufort. Okay, all right. I was trying to make sure we had it right here. I knew it was a little different, but anyway, all right. Like I always do, and I know you've been on the show a couple times, but just for the people out there, tell us a little bit. Who is Keith Kidwell? Tell us a little bit about him. Oh, wow. Well, let's start off with uh, I'm a husband of a beautiful bride, Vicky. I've been married to for 42 years. Her and I met when I was four years old. That's a hard-headed uh, woman right there. That's a hard-headed woman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it took <laughs> me from four to 16 to get her to date me. So, you know, she, she was pretty tough. But today I think I'd get arrested for stalking. There you but go. anyway, uh, I, I, I own a tax business that I've been in for uh, 40 years. Uh, you know, really enjoy doing that. Uh, I actually have a... Uh, a sign right up here in my office that says taxation is tyranny. The power to tax is the power to destroy. Mm. And, uh, you know, that, that's kind of been my business for, well, matter of fact, now four generations in my family have worked in this business. Oh, really? Uh, I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah. Started with my mom and then me, my son is here and my granddaughter comes on full time, uh, next Monday. Oh, good for so, y'all. Good for y'all. Yep. Yep. So anyway, and, uh, got elected to the North Carolina general assembly about five years ago. Uh, years back, I just decided I couldn't sit home and yell at the TV because that wasn't doing any good. <laughs> Told my wife, sit down, honey, we're going to have a talk. I'm going to run for office. She she didn't really like the idea, but she got on board when we her and I sat and talked and prayed about it. And uh, been up there trying to run the conservative rails uh, ever since. Uh, became the, freedom, uh, the uh, North Carolina House Freedom Caucus chairman three years ago. We took our membership from five members to uh, 20 three last year and 35 members this year. That's right. Yep, yep. We're kind of stepping it up. 
And uh, as you probably well know, I just announced a few weeks ago I'm going to seek the position of Speaker in the House uh, when, whenever Speaker Moore vacates that seat, whether it's sooner or later. And, uh, Jeff, I can tell you, and I think you know this without me saying it, but elect me Speaker of the House, and I'm going to grab that wheel. We're going to make a hard right turn. I hear you. Well, I know that. I know that. You know, we used to give Keith a hard time there. He finally, this this session, I don't know what he's become an old softy. He's actually hit the yes button a couple times. It was, it was, it, we told him that he's the only one that we might put a maybe button in because all we could get out of him was a no for a long time. No, well, no, no. So, so two things on that. One's it took me five years to teach y'all how to write decent legislation I that, could vote for. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> we finally got conservative enough. You can stomach, you can stomach it, huh? <laughs> so, and then the other point is, is I, I told the speaker back when they were trying to put the casinos in the budget and a couple of other things that I'm not real fond of, I sent him a, a uh, thing, told him I'm a hell no on the budget. He said, well, we don't have a hell no button. So I went and bought one. <laughs> I now have a hell no button. So. <laughs> Everybody needs one of those. There's, there's that bill. There's that bill. At least one yep. bill comes along. Mm-mm. Can't cross that line. All right. You That's know, right. One of the things that I wanted to bring in on, because I brought it up on my show, didn't you know, because we've been in and out so much here the last month, month and a half, we really hadn't been able to talk like we always do. Uh, you know, this stuff come up with Josh Stein and the Department of Justice and, 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 you know, just once again, trying to do whatever they can, just like the Biden administration, you know, just pointing out some of their other stuff. Just however we can go about, uh, you know, just doing doing the dirty work of their agenda they won't they'll use any agency anything so you know now we're using the north carolina department of justice's criminal justice education and training standard commission you know nobody even knew who they were until about two weeks ago then we're starting to figure it out so tell us a little bit about you know what's going on with our concealed carry uh, because they they really did a job to try to make it about impossible for these instructors to carry on the classes. So give us a little info on that. Yeah, so you know we we started hearing about this, like you say, a few weeks back, where where the Department of Justice was going to change the standards so that in order to teach the class, uh, you know, normal certification that you had to have to be a teacher, we get that right. Mm-hmm. But then they wanted to have when you're going to teach the class, who's going to be in it, what's going to be taught. Uh, 30 days in advance. Now, I don't know, you know how many have taken the concealed carry course. Uh, personally, I, I like to sit in and just take it every so often just to get updated on the laws and stay sharp. And uh, I've probably, I, I took it once originally, and then I have sat in on the class, Jeff, more than 10 times. Mm. And I can tell you most of the time they do a really good job, but the big thing is it's not always something where they know even two weeks in advance. A lot of times it's like, hey, you know, can I get 10 people want to have a class on Saturday? Or, you know, I'd have a few friends want to have a class, and I'd call a friend of mine to run the course, and he'd say, yeah, sure. I'd let him use my office, and then we'd go down to the range and, you know, do the, the, the range part of it. Well, they wanted to have 30 days advance notice. Who's in the class? So that gives them, in effect, a, uh, a registration of gun owners. Yeah. Then they wanted a report afterwards that told them who took the class, what was taught. They wanted each instructor to hand out for the person to keep uh, a copy of the concealed carry course, which has never been done, uh, and they, they, you know, they were saying that had to be in paper. Uh, they wanted the ability to just walk into the class and to contact people after the class, so that that way they needed your contact information in order to do that. So when I got wind of this, I started looking around. What can we do? 
I said, well, I'm going to start with the first thing. I'm going to call in the folks from DOJ and sit them down in my office. So two weeks ago, no, two weeks ago today, uh, I went up and met them in Raleigh. And we started out in my office, and I told the three of them sitting there, and there was also a representative from Grassroots. And I looked at them. I said, do you all know who I am? And they said, well, you're Representative Kidwell. I said, no, do you know who I am? I said, I'm the guy that sued the governor five times. I've initiated five lawsuits on the governor. I said, I want you to take a minute and Google Kidwell sues governor. Okay? And you'll see that I sued him to get our churches open, our gyms, our restaurants, the hair salons, all this stuff, right? And they're looking at me like, you know, this could be a problem. I said, let me tell you how this is going to go. You're not going to pass these rules. Okay? I said, because here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to file a lawsuit against you. I'll get enough people together to do that to stop it. When you have your public hearing, we only have to have 10 letters. When those 10 letters come in, it's going to push this stuff up to the rulemaking in the General Assembly, and then it's going to have bills written that are going to change it. And I said, and I, as the chairman of the North Carolina House Freedom Caucus, can guarantee you 35 members of the Freedom Caucus are going to work to stop this. And we, we started paring away what they wanted to do. Ultimately, we pushed them so hard with the help of Grassroots North Carolina that they have totally dropped it at this point, so they will not be putting those rules through. And I think what we need to do, Jeff, when we get back up there, we can start drafting some more legislation, is to go through and lay out what these courses are going to look like and what the rules are going to be around them so that the DOJ doesn't try and take advantage of the people. Well, and, you know, this is this is so typical of the Cooper administration, and we see it here, and we see it in D.C. at the Biden administration, like I said earlier, using, you know, uh, just – out of nowhere committees, commissions, things that really have no power, and, and give them some kind of crazy access to, to something so important as our concealed carries uh, and allow them to just do whatever with with no oversight, no elected official involved. All these are appointed, most of them appointed by the governor. Uh, and, and then when we run bills, the press loves to say, I can't believe y'all were taking power away from the governor. Well, what we're doing, we're trying to get the power back closer to the daggum people. That's what we're doing. Well, Jeff, you know, I, I, I always hear on the floor of the House, and, and you've heard this, where our, our people on the other side of the aisle will sit there and say, one, we're taking away power from the governor, or two, that the governor is the only statewide person that's elected to represent anybody, everybody. Those are both outright lies or misunderstandings of the Constitution because the governor's job is to execute the laws that are passed by the General Assembly, not to make laws, not to interpret laws, not to change laws, okay? His job is to, to execute those laws, okay? And that's the part that people don't seem to understand. That, that's number one. Number two, he's not elected to represent the people. Mm. That's our job. That's right. So when they say you're changing legislation and you're you're trying to take power away from the governor, no, what we're trying to do is stop the governor from usurping power he doesn't have. That's what that's what the bottom line is. Uh, well, and you know, it's it's a constant fight that we have there uh, of uh, the power struggle of the three, and, and they're very well defined, but yet nobody really listens and wants to listen to the rules of the three different branches of government and the checks and balances we have in place. They love to go ahead and, and you know go around circumvent these checks and balances, and, and we see it so much in in the executive office. I, you know, I, we could go on and on. We got about thirty seconds till we go to a hard break for about a minute or two, Keith. You know, commercials have to pay the bills around here, but anyway, I get it, it. it just continues. I mean, I'm gonna have you back after. It just continues and continues to to. It, 
bite us in the butt here. Take us there. And we constantly have to do legislation to fix this issue, and it's crazy. All right, we got about eight seconds. Let me go to break, and we'll come back, and we'll talk more about this. So just hold tight, folks. Coming back with Keith Kidwell. Going to talk a bunch. That's actually me on guitar. I'll do this right before I go back into the intro. All right, we got Representative Keith Kidwell on the phone, my guest today. We're going to go back to Keith. been talking a lot of Second Amendment stuff. Keith, you still with us? I'm here, bud. All right, cool deal. All right. Uh, you know, getting back into it where we just kind of just left off, it, it's always something. So they have officially right now just put everything on hold as far as these these things they're wanting to do. But they're, they're not dead. They're just floating around because we all know that nothing ever dies down in Raleigh. Uh, no, that that's unfortunately a fact. I, I refer to this stuff as Freddy Krueger, Freddy Krueger bills and 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 uh, and rules that they set up. Because just about the time you think you got it dead, it comes back to life. That's right. That's right. The only thing that I do know that dies is your hopes and dreams down there. But other than that, bills and laws and stuff that you don't want never dies. You can't kill it. So well, and and that's kind of where I'm at with all this stuff, Jeff. Is it? When I look at these things and, and I have to keep fighting and you you have to keep fighting, and you know as long as you and I have got the fight left in us, we're going to be okay. If we lose that will to fight, we got to turn around, walk away, and let somebody else take the job. But, you know, I know you're with me on this, and we're, we're going to keep pushing this. We're going to keep fighting no matter which side it comes from. Well, and I, that, that's something that we do need to talk about is that, you know, sometimes it's actually our side of the aisle that's not doing the right thing, and we have to remind them of that, and you and I have done it many a time. We have, and we ain't always been popular afterwards, but that's just the way it is. I don't want to tell you. So. Well, you know, I, I haven't lost any sleep yet. How about you? Uh, no, not me. Sleeping pretty darn good. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, usually yeah. pretty tired most nights from putting in a full day's work or doing whatever I'm going at because that's the way I go, and you too. We, we both don't let up. And that—that's the attitude I think that you got to have. Uh, you got to—you got to be on it, relentless, all the time. Uh, I almost get worried these times when we leave and come home. I'm just like, what in the crap's going on down there while we're gone? Because <laughs> yeah, usually when we get when we get back, we're like, well, when did this happen? Who's who did this? Yep. You know, all of a sudden somebody's pulled something out of the woodwork. And you just don't know. Well, all right, we'll take a step away from Second Amendment. And, and me and Keith, Keith especially, I'm going to give him total credit. He does a lot. But I, we've both been involved in Second Amendment stuff ever since been down there. Finally got what I call my church bill passed. Uh, worked like crazy on it. Third time was the charm. But me and him both have been involved heavily in the house on different things. Uh, whether it be this concealed carry or whether it be the pistol purchase permit stuff or and all these different things that are out there that you see that we've been able to accomplish this year has been great. And, you know, I, I, I try to point out to people, one of the reasons we've been able to accomplish a lot this year is Miss Number 72, uh, Trisha Cawthon. She's caught a lot of crap um, and harassed continuously, constantly. But uh, thank the Lord she's come to our side. That's made life doable because the other day we hit right on the number on the Parents' Bill of Rights. Didn't get one single dim to come with us. Seventy-two of us voted for it and overrode the governor. So it it, it makes life uh, worth living. Let's put it that way. To have her around to help us get these veto overrides done. If not, we would have to fight Roy Cooper continuously. So thank you for that. But talk to it, us that, a little that's bit. Very true. And the the other thing we you always want to keep in mind is is the uh, power that the Freedom Caucus has had in making things happen this year. Because if you remembered all these good legislations that we just overrode had died. They, have. They, they were not moving. 
And you remember we sent a contingent to the Speaker's office with a message mm-hmm. that the Freedom Caucus was going to adjourn unless they started moving some of this legislation. And the very next day, we started passing this stuff. Yeah, we started. Things started going. So I, it, it, the squeaky, right. squeaky wheel does get grease. It does. I was sitting in That's there. Right. With, I was sitting in there with you, uh, being the secretary of the Freedom Caucus. So we, uh, we just, you know, like I said, enough's enough. Hey, you got to hear us. You got to hear us. You got to yep. count us. But yep. getting to this now, we have chose to run when it's time, and we don't know when it's going to be. You know, we, it, theoretically, it's a, a year and three or four months from now before we'll make that choice. But we have already thrown our name in the ring to run for speaker. Keith Kidwell's running for speaker. What do you see? And we've got about six minutes or so. I know the show moves quick. What are some of the things in the next five minutes you can tell me that you want to see happen if Keith Kidwell becomes Speaker of the North Carolina House? Well, one of the first things I think you know I'm going to work on as far as getting legislation passed is going to be constitutional carry in North Carolina. Uh, we, we have addressed that several times. I have run that legislation every year since I've been there. There's always a reason we can't do it. And, you know, I, I, I often wonder if people sit around and look for reasons not to do things rather than reasons to do them. Uh, you know, I, I, had a, I had a bill this year. I was approached by leadership and told if I would put an education requirement in it that they would work with me and get it passed. So we went and put, which I didn't want to do, but I worked with Grassroots North Carolina, and we put an education element in. It, it didn't have anything where you had to carry a certificate. You didn't have to present it to the police. You just had to check a box that says I took an education course in, in uh, uh, carrying a firearm. Mm-hmm. didn't change anything as to how you acquire a gun, anything like that. You still had to do all that. And the next thing I know, the bill was killed because the Senate said they wouldn't hear the bill. The yeah. other part that killed that bill, which really ticked me off, was the lobbyists from the NRA. Yeah, they did. Okay? They went after you. <laughs> he walked in my office, and, and, first time, and I asked him this. I said, how is it, Mr. Stryker, that I've been here five years, and this is the first time you've been in my office? Okay. I'm the number one guy for doing gun legislation in the General Assembly, and I've never seen you in my office before. And the first time you come in is to shoot down one of my bills, no pun intended. <laughs> so interestingly enough, I go out and I talk to former Representative Chris Millis, and Chris told me, Keith, i got to tell you, when I was here, the NRA took out my constitutional carry bill. It was the same bill you have, except I didn't have the education requirement in it, and they took it out because their instructors were going to lose income. So they wanted an education requirement in it. So here's the interesting thing. They've taken it out twice, once when it didn't have education and once when it did. So I'm wondering, you know, is the NRA actually working for the people or are they just working for the NRA? Okay. That's a question. That's a question. Yet to be right. answered. So, yeah, it, it needs to be answered. The NRA needs to answer it. So the, the other thing, and I think you know this uh, as well as anybody else, I'm not thrilled with some of the legislation we've been passing this year, the the issues that have become Republican issues that should not be. Uh, You know, I I think we're we're looking at this $1.4 billion for NC Innovation Mm. that just doesn't have any kind of guardrails. It looks like we're we're writing a check. Now, admittedly, they're not just handing out the $1.4 billion, but there's not guardrails in there to protect the people. And I'm just not for that unless we have a much longer than just a few weeks' worth of study time on this thing. I was talking to one of the other representatives earlier today. You know, personally, I own a business, and I spend more time than that thinking about spending four or five thousand dollars. You know, uh, so I'm thinking we need to spend a lot more time on that. We need to point our caucus in the direction of Republican values. 
You know, you, you've always heard me say that the Bible, the U.S. Constitution, and the North Carolina Constitution are my guidebook. Mm-hmm. As Speaker of the House, I will add to that the Republican Party platform. We need to adhere to that platform, and I think if you look at it, it defines who we are. We believe in the Constitution. We believe in the people. We believe that in smaller government. We believe in less spending. We believe in lowering taxes. And to be honest, I think we can do a far better job than what we've been doing, and I don't think anybody could, could say that I'm wrong on those points. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, along with that it comes all the pluses. If, if you believe those tenets, the, 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 the base, the rock of what you stand on, everything else becomes really simple. Uh, it, 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 it takes out a lot of the question marks that we're having right now. And and we don't know what's coming in the budget, and 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 I I, I can't stand that to a point too. There there it's almost like it's top secret, more so to us. It's bad when lobbyists come tell me what's in the budget that that I've got in there instead of somebody else. Well, you know, we we were sitting in that meeting last week, Jeff, and I know you probably heard it, where one of the members said that when they want to find out what's in the budget, they they go turn on the news. Yeah, uh, because it it's a big secret up there, and I can tell you flat out. You know, when we're going to handle legislation like a budget, when we're going to handle any legislation, whether it's the Medicaid expansion, you know, whether it's the budget, whether it's constitutional carry, we're supposed to go by what the caucus says, okay? And that doesn't always happen. Unfortunately, there's too many people that think we need to worry about what the media is going to say and we need to worry about what the polls are going to say. I don't worry about what the polls are going to say. When I no longer represent the values of the people in the 79th district, here's what I know. They're not going to vote for me. Okay, now I got 100 percent of the vote last time. I must be doing okay. There you go. (laughs) So, well, and, you know, I tell you what, um, it looks like who knows how many people are going to end up throwing their their hat in the ring for the speaker's position. Uh, Tim's been there, will have been 20 years if he fills out this the the term. And I feel like he's going to go as far as he can till the very end. Uh, So, uh, you know, it's, it's time. There's a lot of people been waiting in the wings, uh, and then there's others that have come and decide they need. And, and so it's going to be an interesting time just to figure this out and see where we go. But, you know, uh, one thing I can say about Keith Kidwell, I know where he stands. I know what he's going to say pretty much. I got an idea real close of how he's going to vote on an issue. And there's a lot to be said for that. Well, you know, uh, there's never a surprise with me. I'm not one that sits there and tells people things they want to hear. I tell them what I believe. And if you like me for that, vote for me. If you don't, don't vote for me, and I'm okay with that. Uh, I'm okay with that when I run for the speaker. You know, bottom line, if you want somebody that's going to follow the constitutions and the the party platform to the T, then you're going to vote for Kidwell. If you want to do something different, then vote for one of the other guys. All right. Well, we got to end it. I'm going to say a prayer and call the end of the show. So let's go. Dear Heavenly Father, dear Lord, uh, uh, school's back in. I pray for the kids. I pray for the teachers, administration, everybody. Lord, I pray for wisdom for us that are elected to lead this state, lead this country. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Keith, I appreciate you coming on. Take care. I'll see you soon down in Raleigh. All right, man. Amen, Jeff. Have a great day. You too. Bye. You've been listening to North Carolina Representative Jeff McNeely. Join Jeff again next Monday morning at 11.05 for Taking Care of Iredell on News Talk WSIC.